What's happening? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com. Coming at you today to talk about how to murder your middle class mentality and join the outcast class. This is going to be a long one and it's going to be a three part series and it is a full long form article over at my site RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com. It's about 8,000 words. If you are seriously into this subject, I highly recommend you check out the article as well because there's going to be a lot of information covered and it is so important to understand these concepts if you want to have a shot at a high quality of life. Because the way the world is structured, the way the West is structured today is very difficult to survive and thrive with a middle class mentality. Okay, But let me get this out of the way first and tell you who this is not for. This is not for if you are the average middle class guy and you're comfortable in your reality and, and all your dreams are sort of based around that reality. This is not for you. Okay. This is, this is for guys like me who never bought into the system. Okay. I reckon, you know, everyone I grew up with is middle class. Um, my cousins, my family, my friends, and almost all of them are living the middle class script. And at the end of the day, I respect anyone who is trying to do that. That is a hard way to live, especially in um, this day and age. And this is not a knock against middle-class values, okay? It is just that they're not for me, and I'm only talking to guys who are like me, okay? And by that, I mean, you've known since the beginning it's not for you. You always aspired for hire. You hated listening to your parents, your teachers, your boss. You hated every job that you had. You know, you saw the life plan that was set out for you as a prison. And I've I felt this way since I was 13 years old. From every fucking job to what, you know, sitting still in school to like, you want me to work in an office? I mean, this was never for me. I never, from, from the start, I never bought into it. Okay. If you want to live life on your terms and you want to be free, then this is for you. Okay. Because there are many other guys like you, like me out there. And that's who I'm talking to. Except when I was growing up, I didn't have a plan and I had all the social pressure and all that to, to put me into the middle-class script. And I didn't have a plan to get out of it. And what I want to give you is the way out. All right. I want to give you the way out and it starts with murdering your middle class mentality. Okay. Because your prison is mental. It's not, it's not physical. You're not in a physical prison. You can literally do anything you want in this life, but you are boxed in and you're in prison mentally. Okay. And you're in prison mentally through the middle class script. And that's what I want to get into. I want to explain to you first in part one of the series, which is going to be three parts what the middle-class script actually is, okay? So to start, the middle-class script means well, okay? Your parents and your teachers mean well. They mean to give you a high quality of life. And this is a script that's been generating within humans since, you know, we're, everything that we are is the product of billions of years of evolution. So culture and biology and all these things factor into the middle-class script, whether you believe it or not. And, the problem with that is through the vast majority of human um, 
civilization and human evolution, we haven't been really self-aware. We're only starting to become self-aware over the last, you know, a few hundred years. And there were, you know, of course, through history, people who have become self-aware. But in reality, we're really only starting to become self-aware now. Okay, so you have this script that's running on all this um, outdated biology and all this outdated culture where we are grasping for this higher quality of life. But instead, what usually happens with the middle class script is you get three things. You get people chasing the pursuit of, of status. You get people avoiding shame. And you get obedience to propaganda and advertising. Okay. And the winner is judged based by the guy who is uh, best following that script. Not who is the most happy. Because... Actual happiness, you have to be self, very self-aware to see what makes you happy. And that self-awareness and that living for what makes you happy is not built into the script. It's a very vague notion of quality of life and that's supposed to make you happier. But it is not actually down on a granular level of what makes you happy. It is the vague notions that are killing people. It's the vague notions that are keeping these guys running on the treadmill and running and doing all these different things that don't particularly make them happy because they're not tuned into their self-awareness. And the whole script is not self-aware, okay? The whole script is like grasping and striving and uh, status and trophies and buying into what you're told, okay? Because it means well, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions and the end result leaves you with that striving and that avoiding shame and the obedience as your primary priorities instead of your actual happiness. Okay, how many middle class guys or married guys have you talked to talk about what they have to do? Like, oh, I have to do that this week, and I have to go to the in-laws. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. They live for I have to, not I fucking want to. Okay? That's what I'm trying to clarify. Because the primary um, operating system behind the middle class script and behind culture itself is shame. Okay. It's shame. Shame is the primary motivator. Now praise, you've got the two different aspects, shame and praise. Okay. Praise is a little bit, but shame is much more powerful. Shame is much more powerful than praise. Like the, the family man who's exhausted and going to all these things, he gets some praise for doing the right thing, but that doesn't really make him happy. What he's actually doing it for is avoiding the shame of not doing those things that he's supposed to do. It's shame that keeps everything running. That's the big motivator, okay? And if you could define the script in one word, it would be, be a good boy, all right? Be a good boy. So that's where we're gonna start. I'm going to outline the middle class script for you, and I'm gonna break it, break, break it, break it down for you based on the various stages that you've been through in your life and eventually to the end of the script, okay? So the script starts with be a good boy, all right? This means that you are, you've learned very early on to put on a performance. And I wanna use an example of like, you're at a family party and you're playing with your cousins or your friends and grandma's over there and your mom says, go give grandma a kiss and a hug and you know you're gonna have to talk to grandma for 10 minutes or something like that. And you don't want to, because you're a little kid and you don't know any better and you just wanna go play with your friends. And you say, I don't want it. I don't want to kiss grandma. I don't want to go. Let me go play. And mom says, you go over there and you kiss grandma and, and you talk to her and you be a good boy. I don't want to. And then she shames you again. You know, you're going to get punished. Don't be a bad boy. Go kiss grandma. And grandma sees what's going on. Okay. She knows that you don't want to go over there. 
But you go over there and then grandma's very nice to you and she's, and, and grandma's happy. Even though grandma knew you put on a performance, then you go back to mom and mom is happy even though you know she knew that you put on a performance. So you learn very early on, even as young as three or four, that you are expected to not do what you want, but put on a performance and in return you get praise. And if you don't put on that performance and you're a bad boy and you get shamed, okay? Now, I'm not trying to say that like we shouldn't teach our kids to you know be involved in family. I'm just trying to look at this objectively, okay? There's, there's not a uh, value judgment in that statement. I just wanna give you like the objective perspective of that's what it is, okay? It starts with be a good boy, it starts with performing. All right, and it starts at home. So then we move on to school, okay? And we move on to the classroom and that be a good boy is extended into school. Sit still, listen, do your homework, listen to teachers, don't talk back, work hard, don't question anything. And once you do all that, you get to a good, you go to a good college, okay? That's the game. Right? You're gonna sit still, you're gonna be a good boy, you're gonna do your homework, you're not gonna play with your friends for like eight hours a day, and then you're gonna do more homework when you get home, and you're gonna do that for 20 years, and then in return, you get to go to a good college, and you get to go into debt for the privilege of going to get college, a good college. And before you even get to earn, before you even get into the workplace, you are now have student loans. And if it's like almost every college, you have the credit card companies setting up little booths and stuff to get you hooked on a credit card before you even get out of school, all right? And you've got situations where kids are going on spring break and they're paying for it with student loans and, and credit card, okay? So they've already got you in two places and that's before you even get into the job market, all right? And your BA isn't worth shit and you know that and your parents know that and your professors know that but they are all telling you to do it because it is part of the script, okay? It is part of the culture, it's part of the plan. And they're on the plan and they don't differentiate from the plan and they teach you not to differentiate from the plan. Even though everyone knows that that fucking BA isn't worth shit in today's job market. But it's what you do if you want a good car corporate job, all right? It proves that you can perform and take orders. Even though it is like, you know, it can cost some people $100,000, dollars $200,000 to make them barely more marketable than a high school graduate, but that's what they do, okay? And some corporations look for that. They look for a BA because, not because it's relevant to the, the corporate job. I mean, you could do a lot of these jobs starting at 14, 15, right? If you're willing to work your way up, but it shows that you can take orders. It shows that you've proven yourself to be part of the system. It shows that you, you've proven yourself to take orders and now you're gonna be able to take orders in the corporate world, okay? So that brings us to our next point, which is your job. And oh my God, when you sit down at your first job, if you're anything like I was, you get to see what all the fuss was about, what you've been working so hard for for the last 20 years or 25 years, depending on how long you've been in school for, is to literally sit there in an office where no one talks and just take orders. It is literally like when I sat down, I was like, this is fucking office space. This is literally office space. And that's like, that's a shocking revelation when you get to that point, right? I'm like 20 or 21. I've got a corporate job in e-business at a, a, you know, big mutual fund company. And my family's so happy because it's 
I've got a huge path and I'm in and young and at the end of the day, you realize you're just sitting there to take orders, okay? You realize that the last 20 years of your schooling has taught you just to get a job, sit down, take orders from a boss. You don't have a teacher anymore now, you have a boss, okay? And it's the same thing. It's the same exact shit. That's all you've been training for. And then you learn corporatees and you learn that your job is just about being able to speak in the corporate buzzwords and being able to fill out those motherfucking TPS reports eight hours a day. Okay. And then you learn to call another man, your boss. How fucked up is that? You call another man, your boss. He's the boss of your life. And you literally submit yourself to a boss, a man, you're a fucking grown man. And you call another man, your boss. Okay. If that doesn't, if that doesn't set off alarm bells with it, in you, it fucking should, okay? There's no way you should be comfortable with that, all right? At least not if you're an alpha male, at least if not if you have that like fire inside of you. You should never be comfortable with calling another man your boss. I can't, my boss, my boss has me working late. What the fuck is that, okay? What the fuck is that? I mean, that's to me, that's insane. That's an insane fucking way to live, all right? So you call another man your boss. They tell you where to sit, when to come in, uh, where to go for lunch, where to take a shit what to do, when you can leave, and they give you one week a year, called your vacation, where you can go and do what you want. And a lot of people come out here to Thailand, where I live every single fucking day, and that is the highlight of their fucking year, all right? And I see them, and they're not even that happy because they're on their Blackberry and they're thinking about work, all right? That's the fucking game, all right? When you learn, when you learn what's up, that's the game, all right? They tell you, tell you where to go to the washroom. That always fucked up. That, that fucked me up, okay? I used to work in a, I worked in a call center at one point where they timed our bathroom breaks. We had five minute bathroom breaks and if, and if, and if you came in um, a minute later, you would, you would get a talking to. Okay, when I was in school in Montreal and that was the only job that I could get because I couldn't speak French, they timed our fucking bathroom breaks. I, asked, I had to use my social insurance number to sign out and my social insurance number to sign back in after my five minute fucking time bathroom break, all right? The corporate job's not much better, man. You think it is, but it's not. It really isn't, okay? Like they tell you where to sit, when to come in. Literally 50 hours of your week is mapped out. And then on weekends, you're just trying to recover from that shit. And a lot of the time you're on your Blackberry, um, you know, still doing work and still doing projects, all right? They fucking own your ass, that's how it goes. And, you put on, you have to put on a motherfucking performance for the privilege. If you haven't worked in a corporate job or if you're working in a corporate job right now, okay, you know that you have to go in and be a good, happy boy. You can't say like, you can never say like, fuck, I hate this shit. When they give you a performance review or they sit down in the meeting and ask you, how's everything going? You have to say, you know, it's great. Yeah, I love working here. You can't just say like, I'm a corporate slave. I hate my life and I don't know how I'm going to get through every day. And somehow I just stumble through it you know, and I, I hate it. I hate every minute of it, right? You can't say that. You have to put on a performance for the privilege of working there. And everyone's putting on that performance because no one likes working there, all right? If corporations start, stopped paying people, no one would work there, right? No one would do that if they weren't getting paid, which means that they don't like it, all right? The, they would do things that they actually enjoyed um, with their life, okay? So everyone is putting on that performance for the privilege of being told what to do. 
And in return, you get to pay for your life with your boss's leftovers. And for, for many people, you're just paying for the fucking bare minimum. You're on paycheck to paycheck, man. Paycheck to paycheck, just getting by. All right. That's what, that's what all that fucking hard work in school is for. And that's only, that's, and you're supposed to consider yourself lucky. Okay. Because you're, you're supposed to consider yourself lucky that you have a good corporate job and your family tells you how lucky you are. Okay. And, but that's only until you either talk back and meaning that your mask slips and you don't put on the proper performance or you become redundant, then you're fucking out on your ass. They can turn the taps off on your revenue whenever the fuck they want. So now you're out on your ass. Okay. And all those team building meetings and the, the corporate pride and the mission statement and the corporation selling themselves about how much they care about you. Then you see what all that shit really means. Fucking nothing, right? Because the second they can fire you, the second you become redundant, um, the second they can outsource your job to uh, the Philippines or get a computer to do it or your mask slips, you're fucking done. You're out on the a your ass because they don't care about you whatsoever, okay? And you're expected to give them your youth and you're expected to do that so that you can provide for a family, which brings us to our next section here, which is uh, starting a family, okay? So... Part of the script, the cornerstone of, of the middle class script is the um, monogamous family unit, okay? And maybe you want a family, maybe you don't at this point in, in the game. But if you are a middle class guy and you're in your 20s to early 30s, which is when people start a family, you cannot afford a family, okay? If you could afford to have a family, you wouldn't be middle class. In 2017, Middle-class people cannot afford to have a family, all right, period. You cannot afford it. I want you to understand that very clearly, okay? You have to be rich to afford a family. That's, that's, how, that's the situation in uh, the Western world, okay? Maybe if you're Chinese, uh, you can afford to have a family because the middle-class dream has been exported to China over the last 60 years as we exported the middle-class and we outsourced all the jobs and we outsourced all the... Um, all these different things to China. Uh, it's not 1950 anymore where you could, where one man could afford to have a family. Uh, you can't. That's maybe if you're a Chinese man, you can, but uh, you can't if you are a Western man. And that's just the reality. All right. So you can't afford to be middle class, but because you are following the script and you're being a good boy, you have a family anyways. All right. And you drop $40,000 or more on the wedding and you get the government involved in your personal finances and you risk a 50% chance of getting divorced in your middle age, which uh, entails heartbreak, traumatized children, alimony, child support, asset seizure, taking the house, all that shit. That's what a legal marriage entails in today's day and age, okay? Because that, that wife for life situation that used to exist does not exist anymore. Now you've got a 50% or a coin flip chance of that happening to you, of just getting all your shit ripped apart because you decided to let the government get involved in that in your uh, personal life, all right? And, and then a lot of the time, next move is getting the house on credit and the car on credit and the furniture on credit. And you're doing it all on credit because you can't afford it and because you don't make enough money. And you think divorce is something that happens to other people, 
not to you. And in your marriage, you do your best to be a good boy. You, um, maybe you've been a player before or maybe you haven't, but either way, you're a man and you're a sexual being and your genetics tell you to have sex with a lot of different women, but you take your sexuality is taught that it's, it's dirty in the middle class scripts, so you take that out on porn or you deny it, uh, you try and deny it completely or you end up uh, cheating like a lot of married people do, okay? But let me bring you up to speed on, on how it looks now. So you probably still have, you know, 25 grand or, or more on student loans, all right? So this, this, this is your debt situation. This is your financial situation. You got like 25 grand to 30 grand on student loans. Now you got another 300 grand on the house, another 10K on the furniture, 25K on the car, uh, 40K on the wedding. And now you're gonna have two kids, all right? To raise a, a kid to 18, uh, is $250,000 a year. So two kids is $500,000 or an extra $2,400 a month for those kids. And you know, then you got to factor in for yourself, dental bills, uh, diapers, daycare. And the fact that you're not going to be getting more than four to five hours of sleep the first three years per kid because the kids don't fucking sleep. So that's six, the next six years, you're not going to be sleeping more than three or four hours and you can't get your wife to go take care of the kid uh, because she now has to work too and you're both exhausted and you're both working parents because it is not 1950 anymore. So you have two exhausted parents who are killing themselves to work hard at their corporate job and barely able to pay for anything and in debt and not sleeping. Okay. So you're in massive debt. Uh, you need a two parent income to just even try and keep up with your life and you still can't afford it. Okay. And it's not even secure because your wife is not for life. There's a 50% chance of that going to shit. Your job is no longer for life. That's usually you get like the average is like two to three years out of a job. Um, whereas before you could work for one job forever, uh, retire with a gold watch. Uh, your skills are most likely not going to be relevant into your 60s, okay? The way that the world is evolving so quickly and computers and technology and all that. Right? So what you've learned and what you've been trained with probably will not last you until your 60s. And the pension and social security will definitely not be there because they are already bankrupt right now. And it's guys like us who are paying uh, for people who are retiring right now, but that's not going to be able to survive by the time that, that we have to retire in our uh, 60s and 70s, all right? So that's what you're getting, all right? But we're not done yet. We're not done yet. There's there's much more, okay? Uh, so you're just trying to fucking get by, all right? And I'm seeing this with my friends, my cousins, everybody, all right? This is where they are. I'm not making this shit up. I'm not um, just pulling this out of my ass. I see this with everyone that I, almost everyone that I know who, who I grew up with. This is their life, all right? But that's not, it doesn't end there, okay? Because part of being that middle-class script is being a respectable citizen, all right? And I've tried to explain this to guys in their 20s, but once a man hits 31, 32, being that respectable citizen becomes like the primary priority in his life, okay? Because that social shame just starts to add up. And making his parents proud and becoming part of the community and raising family and, and doing all that because that's what everyone else is doing, right? If you're still fucking around um, as a playboy or this or that, you're an outcast, 
like me. And it, trust me, it might not make sense to you if you're 21 or you're 22 and you think, why would, why would respectable, why would respectability, why would guys choose that as the primary priority? But just watch, man, just watch and watch it happen to your friends. Okay. So this is a big part of the script is being that respectable citizen. All right. Respectable citizen means that you're going to those PTA meetings and the bake sales and the dinner parties and um, your in-laws and the country clubs and you believe in the right propaganda for your community and you tow the right party line and you vote and you have the appropriate water cooler talk with the, the appropriate outrage for, you know, look at what Trump did or if you were uh, in a conservative community, look what the liberals did or your environmentalists, you're like, well, look at what's going on with the environment and and you just, you know, you live in that particular respectable citizen echo chamber for whatever it is that your um, community is involved with, all right? And this is, this is if when you work with guys, you see this is all the things that they have to do, okay? I have to see the in-laws tonight, or I have to entertain this group of people that my wife wants to entertain, right? This is what, this is what your life becomes about. It becomes about doing those respectable citizen things, all the things that you have to do, okay? And it's it's insane to me to look and see all the things that guys have to do just to like live their life. It's crazy. Um, and it doesn't stop there, okay? You also have to become a good consumer, all right? And that means the right wardrobe and the right wristwatch and the right taste in wine and the right plates and the right drapes and the right coffee cups so that you can entertain the right people. And if you don't buy in, um, like a certain amount of middle-class guys don't particularly buy into that, it doesn't matter because your wife's going to buy in, all right? And she will keep, make sure that you have the right drapes, even if you don't care about it, even if you're fighting about it, about why it doesn't matter. One of you will buy in, if not both of you. And you'll see that a large part of your life becomes about keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with what the uh, what your neighbors next door are doing, all right? And having the right consumer goods, okay? Because we live in a consumption-based economy, so all that propaganda is pushed down on you, and you buy into that because that advertising has made its way into the middle-class script, so you have to buy the right things to compete with um, your neighbors so that you can fit into the community, all right? If you're, if you're driving around in um, a 1982 piece of shit car, you're going to be judged for it. Or if you have all the wrong furniture, you're going to be judged for it. All right. So that's being a good consumer. Then you have the actual uh, diversions. And chances are these are the things that you're going to look forward to. All right. I'm not saying that you don't love your kids. You, you, will, you can love your kids and love your wife, but you're not going to love your life. So you've got the diversions that you're looking to, forward to. All right. And this is like the once a week where you get to watch sports ball. You get to guy put you get to watch the guy put the ball on the thing, right? And this is like the acceptable outlet for your masculinity and your competitive instincts that are fucking hamstrung from sitting in a desk all day and, and having to watch your language because there's an HR department and just being a corporate bitch, but all those strong masculine incepts for accomplishment and glory, you can't indulge those, so instead you watch other guys other younger, fitter guys do it, all right? You watch other younger, fitter guys exercise because you're so boxed into your life, you have to live through them, and you do it while you're having a pizza and a beer and developing a dad body, okay? Or the dad body. And that's probably like one of the highlights of your week, all right? The sports, one of those diversions, sports and porn, 
all right? And the sports talk is, guys talk about sports all the time at work, right? Because they just don't want to be there. They, they're fantasy football, all that shit. They, they, like, the guy is fucking living through someone else. They're living through these guys, and they have the guy's fucking name on the back of their shirt. Or the, the guy's, the, the, you're wearing another man's shirt with his name on your back, all right? And the dad bod is okay because the dad bod comes with the territory. Uh, you know, trying to build an impressive physique is not middle class. It's gay or it's tacky or it's immature or it's juvenile. And, you know, you just accept it. You just accept it and you live in those fucking diversions. And if you can get away with it, if your wife allows it, you watch porn. Or if she doesn't, you quietly sneak into the basement and still watch porn. Okay, because every married guy is fucking watching porn. That is that is 100% fact. So those are like your primary diversions to get away from your reality. And then let's say like you can hold all this shit together until your 60s and you're somehow able to pay for it all. You get to your retirement and now you've raised two children to the age of 18 and you've taught them the middle class script and you've put more money um, into their college. It could be $30,000 to $100,000, depending on how much um, you're willing to pay. And somehow you've held it all together and taught them um, the middle-class script and got to retirement. And if you've got to uh, retirement, that means that you've um, somehow dodged a divorce and you've made it through an insecure job market by constantly uh, getting new skills and uh, keeping your resume fresh and always looking for new jobs and opportunities and you've somehow saved money even all that time being a good consumer and all the things you had to pay for and all the debt you somehow scrimped together enough money um, to retire on which is going to be in the you know millions by the time that we get there and you know you've survived without a pension and social security because that's not going to exist and if you've done all that, you, you are, um, you're a miracle worker, okay? If you still have a happy family and an intact family and you've made all that happen, you are a miracle worker. And you have my respect and my congratulations because like I said, I'm not trying to knock guys who are living my middle-class lifestyle. I respect any, any guy that can go in and just work a corporate job and, you know, try and hold it, hold it all together uh, for his family, okay? Because that's a noble intention and I respect it, all right? But if you can do that, in this day and age, you're a fucking miracle worker, all right? And you get to live with your kids and, and um, or, or be on good terms with your kids and you get to see your grandchildren and you get to relax in your retirement and um, <coughs> you're not sick, hopefully. And, you know, you, you've got the next 20 years or so to relax and enjoy your retirement. However, you just basically ran a marathon and killed yourself to get there, all right? You, you, you've really, really struggled to get to that point, right? But let's say things don't work out. And in this day and age, things usually don't work out. Then God help you because there are so many fucking disaster scenarios um, that are available. And I'll just start with a few. Like if you get divorced in your 50s, you're starting from scratch and you have to pay alimony, um, child support, you lose the house, all that stuff. Your finances are fucked. You're never going to be able to retire. It's, your retirement plans are over right there and you're starting again and you've got the heartbreak and the traumatized children and all that. It's an absolute mess. Um, you could have had an unhappy marriage, okay? But you vowed to be with that person forever. Could have been unhappy 
Yeah, you know, even if you stay together, many people stay together in, in something that is not making either of them happy. All right, but it's part of the script, so it's what they do. Uh, you could have dealt with infidelity. Either you, you're cheating and, and she's upset with it, or she's cheating and you're upset with it, or you're both fucking cheating. Um, and, you know, you had an outlines like an open thing before. You've done what everyone else does, which is the monogamous marriage forever. Which is a hard thing to do. It would be hard for me to only be with one person the rest of my life. Um, and you have cheating scandals to deal with. And you could have had, which is very likely in this day and age, a stress-related illness. A heart attack, cancer. I think the large, um, the amount of heart attacks and cancer and all these illnesses that we see, a large part of that is from stress of, of people just trying to hold their lives together and um, neglecting their health because, you know, junk food and things like that is the only thing that that guy has to look forward to. All right. Um, and I see this shit with everyone that I know, like my cousins in their mid forties. I see it with my friends right now who are 35 and getting married and starting a, a family. They all talk about working like dogs, not having enough money. It's always been not having enough money. That is the problem with all the middle-class guys I know. I see it with my friend, uh, my cousins in their mid forties. It is, actually worse for them than it is for the guys who are uh, close to my age because most of my friends don't have kids yet and the ones that do, it's they're not spending as much and, and um, it's actually worse for my cousins in their mid-40s who are working insane hours trying to hold it all together. Um, I saw my uncle have a heart attack in his 50s. Uh, he, he had already been divorced and he was working very hard at his business and neglecting his health. His second wife was just a complete bitch and he had a heart attack and he came through it with brain damage. And after he was brain damaged, she ended up uh, cheating on him, uh, divorcing him and taking a good chunk of his money, even though he was and still is brain damaged. Okay. That happened to my uncle who is being taken care of um, by my mom right now and, you know, is in... Luckily, he still has uh, some money left to live on, but I mean, he's brain damaged. It's it's very sad. Uh, I worked with another guy in his 60s that I've talked about before who had a stroke. He was a salesman um, working with guys who were 28, trying to keep up with that level of stress. He was 58. His boss was 32, trying to keep up with that level of stress because he hadn't um, didn't have enough money to retire on because his his wife had spent so much of his money and he ended up having a stroke on the job that took him out for a year. He came back, wasn't the same person, got demoted to the cold collar job, which is a 21 year old's job, barely making any money at that and eventually got fired because he couldn't even do that left uh, because he, he wasn't there mentally. Okay. And now he's um, elderly and going to be poor. I mean, somehow his kids or someone's going to have to take care of him and his wife. Uh, because that's how it worked out for him, all right? Those are just a couple examples, all right? I'm sure you've seen some disastrous scenarios, or maybe you grew up, you watched your dad go through a divorce and you've seen what that did to him, or you just watched your parents trying to get by. Um, you know, I, I grew up, my mom's a single mother and I watched her try and get by and that was a nightmare. I mean, that's an even worse scenario than, than the, uh, the middle class scenario, okay? So, that's how it fucking looks, man. That's how nasty this stuff is.
And it is rough out there. It is fucking rough out there. But that's the truth. And I'm not happy about it. I'm not, I'm not happy about telling you all this stuff. I'm not happy about what I see with my friends. I don't want to think, well, I'm so smart and I, I didn't do that. And ah, look at my friends. I, I want to see all my friends and my family and everyone be happy. And I, I would look at, you know, back when I lived in Toronto, I would look in the eyes of people on the, on the subway in February you know, Monday morning, and I look at in the eyes of, you know, 50-year-old men, it's just this dead, blank, vacant stare. I'm not making this shit up, guys. Um, so don't shoot the messenger, okay? I don't want it to be this way, but we live in a nasty, vicious, usurious, debt-based, consumer-based culture where the bankers and the military-industrial complex just fucking clamp down on everybody, and everyone's a slave to it, okay? That's the truth. Here's for the good news, okay? Because I never leave you hanging with bad news. Because when you adopt the mindset of being a player in the game of life, there was always a card to play. There was always a smart way to do things. There was always a card to play. And when the shit is all fucked up, okay? When the this, this situation's all fucked up, that means there's an opportunity. When there's crisis all around you, that means there's an opportunity for you, at least, to um, play your cards right and to really live well, okay? Putting all the stuff I said aside, right now is the best time to be alive. There, there are more opportunities than ever. You can make money online. You can make money doing anything. You can be 21 years old and have your own business. This was never available before, okay? Every opportunity is available. If you work hard and work smart, you can have a better quality of life than all of our ancestors, every single one of them, okay? Um, getting your food delivered, you know, getting your laundry done by someone else. Everything can be outsourced it, it, and you can live so fucking well. Um, and you can even have a good family or, and, and a good woman, a good family, but you have to, or you can choose not to, but you have to do it smart. Okay. You have to do it smart. You have to do it the right way. And I'm going to break down how to do these things the right way. Um, but it all comes down to that middle-class mentality has to be murdered first. For you to be able to start living um, a self-actualized life, that middle-class mentality has to be murdered first, and you have to take on a new reality to get there. The old reality has to be destroyed. You have to take on a new reality to get there. And that, that, that new reality is about not being a good boy anymore, okay? The middle-class mentality is all about being a good boy, from your parents to your boss to your neighbors, you live to perform, you live to be a respectable citizen. It's all about putting on that performance, starting from when you're four years old and you learn to perform for grandmother, for grandma and for mom, okay? But what if you're not a good boy anymore? What if you were never a good boy and, you, and, you were, and you're just tired of putting on that performance, right? You hate being told what to do and you hate being told how to live. What do you do, okay? The answer is you burn it all down. You burn the whole fucking thing to the motherfucking ground, right? You burn it all down and you join the outcast class. And you join it. I'm here. My friends are here. Millions of guys around the world have joined the outcast class. And I can tell you it is a lot better. It is a lot better way to live. You just have to put up with a little bit of shame. But there's a smart way to do that, all right? With that said, we're not there yet, okay? We're not there yet. At the end of part one, I wanted to map out the landscape for the middle class script of what is available for you. If
if you follow that script, that is how your fucking life is going to look. All right. So I wanted to sell you on the fact that that has to be burnt down. All right. That, that middle-class script, that middle-class mentality has to be burnt down. But to be able to do that, I want to go through and examine all your beliefs one by one and fucking bury them. Okay. Because that might not be enough for you. What I just said might not be enough for you. And even if it is enough for you, there are still all these blind spots and things that you can't see. And I want to get to those. I want to examine them. I want to bring them to light. I want to shine a light on them. And I want to bury them fucking one by one so that there is nothing to go back to. So that it is fucking scorched earth. It is completely burnt down. All right. That middle class mentality is burnt down. And that's what we're going to do in part two. And then in part three, I'm going to show you exactly how to join the outcast class so check out those videos. Also, again, check out the article on revolutionarylifestyledesign.com. Check me out on iTunes and SoundCloud. And as always, I wish you all the best in your personal development journey.